Okay, well, you, you gave me seven. I'll stop at the first six. <laughs> Just, you know, seven, eight, nine. That's how it happened. <laughs> seven, eight, nine, bro. That means no eight. Just, just seven and nine. Regular beans. What? Stop. Welcome to Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. I am your host, Jamie G. Esquire, the fifth master of removing the obstruction. What is that, a title list? And I'm here with the Magnum Mills to talk about what we've watched recently and to finally talk about one of our favorite comedies, Seinfeld. That's right, baby. We're doing a classic. And we've come all the way to season five, one of my favorites of the entire series, The Marine Biologist. Mills? Have you been keeping up with the beach golfing to better enhance your call? Well, very demolition of man of you to ask, but I, I really have not, which is probably why myself, Magnum Mills, I'm just fucking angrier than an old man trying to send back stupid Adeli, man. I'm trying to do the Coors Light to calm me down, but then I one time mix it up with the Samuel Jackson, and so now it's a whole thing. And so I'm just here drinking the Coors Light and hoping that regular dudes watch stuff is helping you to improve your day. You can find us wherever you get your pods and on YouTube or on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. Please do not forget those flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. That's what helps other people find our show and our channel. We greatly appreciate it. If you had fun, don't forget to give us a thumb. And before we get into that, George is getting angry territory. I want to hear about what have you been filling your holes with recently? You got it. It's time for There's Some Holes in This House. There's Some Holes in This House. Holes in This House. I love that old school stuff. And I've been keeping up with uh, Justified Primeval. I've seen four episodes now. Very much enjoying it. Again, I do miss the legacy show characters. It's just uh, Timothy Oliphant's Raylan Givens going forward. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Boyd Holbrook's doing a good job playing the heavy Definitely enjoying all that. Seen uh, the first couple episodes of the Futurama reboot. Still enjoying that. So very good stuff there. And uh, randomly did watch. Oh, what the hell did I watch? You know what? I didn't watch anything. I read something. I finally finished The Boys. I finished the uh, the six uh, Omnibus or whatever, which is the basically all of The Boys comics were put together into six volumes. And I just finished six one. We're going to be talking about the boy spinoff Gen V on Compound B. You can find it wherever you get your pods, you know, this channel, this, all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Totally different than the show. I think you can almost spoil everything in it without spoiling anything from the show, except for the characters are, are pretty the same, but the most of the plot arcs are totally different. Very much enjoyed it. You should check out both the boys, the spinoff and the original comics. Uh, Jamie G, what have you been filling your holes with recently? I am continuing down the path of finishing Banshee. That's right. The Cinemax show now available on Max, the HBO platform uh, for streaming uh, came out. I think it was like 2015. There's four seasons. I really like it. It's grown on me a lot. I'm deep into season three, just about done with that. Hoping to finish this up maybe this week or the next really like the fact that they've kept a couple of huge storylines that have developed from the first couple of episodes, like all the way through. And we're at the, you know, almost finishing season three now. So um, it's fun to see Anthony Starr. He's a really good actor. It, 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 he, you know, for those of you that don't watch the boys or those of you like who's Anthony Starr, he's Homelander from the boys. He's fantastic in that. He's really good in this too. Um, and again, it has that certain element to it that that Alan Ball type production element. Alan Ball, you know, created in True Blood. That was his baby. As soon as True Blood was wrapping up, he decided to do Banshee as his next major project. And he's definitely got his influence all over there. Most notably with the blood, the crime, and the banging. A lot of crazy action, a lot of crazy banging, a lot of fun. Definitely recommend it. Uh, I've been filling eyes and ear holes with the greatest band on planet Earth. That's right, Fish. They just wrapped up their seven-night run, uh, historic run, legendary run at Madison Square Garden. Your boy, Jamie G. Esquire the Fifth, attended the first two shows and the last two shows for that nice fish sandwich. A lot of fun. Madison Square Garden, one of the greatest venues on planet Earth. Great to see anything there, especially great to see the fish from Vermont there. They're fantastic. That was great. 
I want to see this uh, fish t-shirt, dude. Where's this fish sandwich t-shirt? I like that. That could be a good one. That's a good they idea. Got, like MSG, like in the middle with like two fish breads on the side or something like that. The fish sandwich, like for people who attended the, the first two and the last two or something. That'd be cool. It'd be very cool. Somebody should make that. If you're out there in the universe, fish people make the coolest shit ever. Somebody make that for me. I will, I will buy it. Your boy, Jamie G. Right here. Regular dudes watch stuff. Now, Mills, before we talk about the marine biologist, we're gonna play a little who dat. Y'all gonna like this one. The Seinfeld edition of Who Dat. All right, JBG. Let's just before we start, are you willing to wager a sponge on this? It's a little Seinfeld trivia competition. Oh man. I, I'm asking for I 50%. I, I'm going lower than a, a D. You gotta get 50% right. Can, will you settle for a half sponge? Uh, you 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 half sponged me last last show. Can I win that back? All right, or well, you we'll, win a full sponge of mine. We'll take the half sponge wager. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, I just want to put a little blood on the you know a little blood on the yeah a little skin like, in the game. Right? Like a little, little something going. So here's the deal. I am going to give you six actors who guest out on Seinfeld, and you just need to tell me who they played. And these are going to be legit guest stars, not like, say, Pat Oswalt appearing as a clerk or something like that. You don't need to know the exact name or even the exact episode, but you need to kind of exactly kind of describe, like, who they are, what they're doing. It can't just be like, oh, she's a chick who dated Jerry, because you could guess that for basically, you know, every female guest star on Seinfeld. One. 12. Oh, you three, like the P. Diddy. 3, 11, 7, 8, 9. You gave me 7. I'll stop at the first 6. <laughs> Just, you know, 7, 8, 9. That's how it happens. <laughs> 7, 8, 9, bro. That means no 8. Just just 7 and 9. Or actually, it would be no... Okay. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> no, it's all good. So, you got to get 3 of these, right? And I'm going to start out with the, the one you gave me, number one. Philip Baker Hall played Floyd Gondoli in Boogie Nights. You might know him from other things. Who did he play in Seinfeld? Philip Baker Hall. Kind of an older looking dude. He's a pretty, like you would you would know who he was. He's been in many things again. He was like the go-between in Boogie Nights is probably the, uh, the second most known thing he was in for. The most known thing he's known for is Seinfeld. Wait, he, was he the producer in, in Boogie Nights? He was the, the go-between between, between the Colonel and Burt Reynolds. The one who, yeah, tell him like, oh, we're going to go to video cassette and all that kind of thing. That guy. Nothing. I'm trying to think. Can I can I have a minute here? Um, if I could see him in Boogie Nights, that would help me. Let me see what, let me, let's see what the producer is going to do. Okay, no, I know. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Okay. You'll totally know. You will 100% know who he is. He's not the father of the lady that George was engaged to, but then dies by licking the envelopes? Nope. He was the library cop, Lieutenant Joe Bookman. Oh, yes. Bookman. Oh, you, my you're a God. cop, his name is Bookman, where he shows Bookman. up and everything? Yes. And he's serious, dude. He's like, he's like, he's he plays so it good, like Joe dude. Friday from Dragnet. That's exactly how yes. he plays it. Very okay. much like yep. Joe Friday He's from Friday. I told you, okay. these are fairly major. And here's another one right up that alley. I remember Wilfred Brimley from The Natural, where he's the manager. But you remember from Cocoon, The Thing, or Diabetes commercials? Jamie yep. J. Who did Wilfred Brimley play on Seinfeld? Old dude, mustache, glasses. Diabetes, right? Yeah, that's the dude. Another one you'll totally know as soon as I say it. And a big scene with Kramer. As far as I'm going, big scene with Kramer. Oh, is he the gambling guy who's who Kramer is in the airport, stuck at the airport, and he's trying to gamble? Is that <laughs> where Kramer gets stuck and goes falls off the wagon or whatever? So he goes falls off the wagon on the gambling thing. No, that's not it. But that's a good one. Uh, he was the okay. postmaster general. When Kramer tries to stop oh. his mail and they finally like bring him in and he thinks it's like the boss and he's like, no, like I am the postman. And then like Kramer's like, yes, sir, I'll take my mail. Like, yeah. 
that was the um what was that junk mail the junk mail episode yeah because kramer's uh, just like oh he just get rid of his mail he's just set no more mail like he goes down there it's i'm oh for two here oh for three All right, this one should be a pretty easy one uh you pick number three and this one is courtney cox we know from friends scream obviously but who does she play on seinfeld she is just needed to tell me even what her what she was doing with jerry even I, this is a pretty easy one i think Oh, 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 this, oh, okay, so it was a random chick Jerry was dating, but isn't this the one where he lies about being married to her to get the, to get the discount at the, um, at the dry cleaner or whatever? Yeah, 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 they pretend to be married, and then someone's parents, I can think his parents find out about it, think he's married or something like that, yep. (laughs) Yes. Oh, All right, he's on the board, he's got one, he's got got one. one. All right, we're, we're halfway through, all right. At you, you pick number eleven, and this is another phone. How about John Lovitz, dude? You know exactly who John Lovitz is, but can you remember exactly who he played on Seinfeld? Yes. Um, Again, just kind of what he did. Even I don't necessarily need the name, but if you you could describe him, I'll know you know who he is. Oh my god, he's the guy with the wig. He has. Didn't he? Uh, I think. Did he lie about having like cancer? I know yes, he, he lied about having cancer. You got it. That's it. The toupee, right? He's got the yeah. yes. yes. He lied about John having cancer. It. He plays it so good, dude. Man, that's a what season is that? Is that five or is that? That was from season six, episode thirteen, the scalflaw. Oh. Some scalflaw, dude. Talk about a word. Yeah, dude. I never use anymore. Or John Lovitz. Uh-huh. I, I enjoy some John Lovitz. Except you pick number seven, and dude, how about our man Fuchs? Who was Stephen Root on Seinfeld? Yeah, I remember. This is tougher. This, this is... is tougher. But you've seen it not that long ago. It, it's towards the back third of the run. I'll give you that. He wasn't at the T. Was he? Was he one of the guys at the TV executive thing when they were trying to pitch the show on the show? Um, that's a good call, but no, you're off by a couple of seasons there. <laughs> Okay. Uh, th- this one is a little bit more. You wouldn't really know if you hadn't seen it that long ago, but it's actually from the season seven finale, The Invitations. He's part of the Kramer plot. He's like the bank manager guy. And when you walk into the bank, they're supposed to say hello or you get something. And the dude says, uh, hey, to Kramer and said a hello. And so he goes yeah. through the whole rigmarole with him. And then he's like, finally, like, uh, Steve Root's like, all right, dude, well, we'll give you 20 bucks. How about that? Kramer's like, sold. Yeah. Oh, because it was. Yes, it was the you're supposed to say hello to somebody. Yeah, and the dude in. said hey. So they hit yeah. a whole powwow with all the employees to try to. He was like, well, bank manager, was yeah. that started with H. So we'll, we'll, we'll say we'll give you 20 bucks. And Kramer's yeah. like, yeah. And that's a win for Kramer. Dude, all right. So I, yeah. I, I, that okay. was a tougher one. But I mean, it's your boy Fuchs, dude. You should know that. I know. That is all my right. boy Fuchs. And I should know that. Number eight, you picked for your final one is also a well known dude. He's not even an actor anymore, but you know who the hell John Favreau is. Who yes. was he on Seinfeld? It can be again pretty generic. I don't need the name necessarily, but uh Okay, hang on. He interacts with George. Yes, he does. Um I can see it. But I'm getting like the problem is I'm getting other John Favreau scenes stuck in my head. You're just thinking of PCU over and over, don't lie. Can you blow me where the Pampers is? What? Can you blow me where the Pampers is? No, and what's the one where they go to Vegas? Um, Swingers. Swingers. Oh, that sounds like an air. No, hang on. Um, There's a kid's birthday party involved. Oh, dude. Oh, is it? Was he the weirdo clown? Is that really? He was Eric. Is he the a clown? clown? He was Eric. The oh! Clown. oh man, I needed that clue, dude. To the kids. Yeah, they, they, we're, we're, I'm not giving you no half sponge because I gave you like three clues to get your shit. All right, can we can we break even though at least? I mean, All right, I'll give you. I'll give you. Want to go double or nothing on one more for the half sponge? This is a good one. It's someone you'll know who played a major role in an episode. Okay. All right, dude. For all the marbles, for the half a sponge, we obviously remember General Coolidge from American Pie. She made an impression in the White Lotus. 
who did she play on Seinfeld? I had to rewatch it to be sure. Like I couldn't. She was so young. She's really young though. She had a milf yet, probably. I guess. Is she? She? I don't think she is. I think that lady had red hair. Um, she's not the woman that I that Elaine always gets in fights with the rich heir. She's um. All right, dude. Um, you'll you'll know it when I say it. It's either okay. Here, I, it's it's either. All right, let's see how that flies. Hang on, hang on, hang on. All right, so it's it's. I'm gonna give you my choice, and then I'm gonna give you my second choice. My choice is it's the it's the woman that Jerry, like she she wouldn't have sex with him, and he wanted to so bad. And then something happened and he and he was about to and he ended up not wanting it anymore. It's either her or it's the one that he ends up turning off because she's constantly massaging him. Um, and he, no, he can't get a massage. He wants a massage. She's a professional masseuse and he wants a massage from her and she won't give it to him. It's either. But I think it's the one that he was trying to sleep with and she can't because she was blonde. The, other, the masseuse I thought was redhead. It's the masseuse. No, fuck you. No, it's not. Yep, that is definitely uh, Jennifer Coolidge uh, in uh, the masseuse. And that's the whole thing, like Jerry getting pissed ah. off. Because he's dating a masseuse who won't give him masseuse. She uh, won't season five, episode nine. Yeah, she was Jody. 100%. I watch it, and I'm like, that's her. I didn't believe that was I, her. See, but I and then I watch, as soon as I watch it, look, I'm like, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it and be like, oh, yeah, that's uh I thought it was the one that he couldn't sleep with. Because she was like, she had something going on where she like, her parent, she had a chaperone or something. No, that's the America when it was the beauty pageant. When yeah. Kramer was the judge or whatever, that's that one. Yeah. With the with the dead doves and shit, yeah. All right, so apparently we determined we could just play Seinfeld trivia games. We don't even have to <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. Before we get into talking about this episode, I think we should define how big of Seinfeld fans we are. Obviously, you just watched us do a little hooda 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 who. So you know that we're at least enough to get a couple of those right. Uh, but on a scale of one to ten, one being you've seen a couple episodes, ten being you have a copy of of the Kramer um, on your wall or George on the sofa in his underwear. That's one of my personal favorites. How big of a Seinfeld fan are you, Magna Mills? Jamie G, I would say just like everything else in life, I'm a solid eight, dude. I am not a super fan. I don't have tattoos. I can't quote entire episodes verbatim, but I do reference Seinfeld in my regular life at least a couple of times every week. Uh, I remember most of the episodes. I've seen them all dozens of times. So I think I'm, I feel like I'm a hard eight here, dude. How, how are you living? Well, you know. That's not just a username, Hard Eight. You're you're real life. You're, I'm BJ Barnes in it over here, dude. <laughs> you're BJ Barnes, dude. Get out of BJ here for yourself playing helicopter, dude. <laughs> um, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I'm probably a I'm probably a seven. I mean, I, I really like Seinfeld. It's one of my all time favorite shows. I on and off I watch it all the time. I've been doing that for probably all time favorite shows should be more than seven. I feel it's 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 in my top ten for sure. I mean. And it still holds up. It's just the number 10 to seven. I mean, number 10 should be like, I feel like number 10 should still be like a nine. Well, here's the thing with Seinfeld. Here's the thing with Seinfeld though. It's, it's been my favorite show at like multiple times over the last like 20 years, 30 years now. So it's just like, it's, it's always there. Maybe I'm underselling it a little bit. I'm a big fan um magna mills talked me into it i'm also going to be a hard eight fine he got it up one more one more and you know every inch counts so i'm an eight here and uh it's it's a great show i think what's so good about it is the ability to go back and watch it and like i mentioned for the past i don't know year and a half two years when i need 20 minutes uh you know and i'm looking for something i just turn on seinfeld and i've been going through all the seasons the fact that i can still do that having watched every season multiple times i remember staying up late you know, on school nights watching Seinfeld. It came on at, at, at 10.30 or 11 or whatever it was. Like, Seinfeld's awesome, great show, big fan. And it holds up. We're going to be discussing the marine biologist, but we will be spoiling all episodes of Seinfeld. Every interview, article, everything you could have ever read, all that is in play here. So, you have been warned. All right, Mills. Buzz us into the apartment. I'm coming up. This is The Marine Biologist, Season 5, Episode 14, the 78th overall episode of Seinfeld, originally released February 10th, 1994. 
directed by Tom Jerones. He directed 80 episodes of Seinfeld, including all of season five, written by Tom Hogg and Charlie Rubin. Notable guest appearances include Wayne Knight as Newman, Carol Kane as Corinne, Richard Fancy as Lippman, George Murdoch as Testikov, and Rosalind Allen as Diane DeCon. The short plot synopsis is George starts dating a college friend who, thanks to Jerry, thinks George is now a marine biologist. Elaine's electronic organizer injures a person after being launched from a limo by a Russian novelist. Kramer decides to golf on the beach. And goddamn, I love Seinfeld because isn't that just a great, like, that's almost nonsensical unless you've seen the episode, right? Yes. and But it works so well somehow. Well, I'm not exactly coming in with like Kramer with the door swing and the, but I am in the apartment. How does this one uh, start off here? Walk us through it. All right, man. At Jerry's apartment, Jerry shows Elaine his number one t-shirt, Golden Boy, while she's on the phone. She gets great news on the call. She's going to work with Russian writer Yuri Testikov. Jerry convinces her that Tolstoy was originally going to call War and Peace. War, what is it good for? George comes in hot doing a Jack Nicholson impression, and Elaine notes that while Jerry is in their alumni magazine, there's nothing about George. He can't handle the truth. Uh, JBG, I know about, well, I know you have, like superstitions for what you wear on football game days. Do you have a golden boy type article of clothing? Is there anything that's been around forever that you just love to death and, you know, you, you wear kind of, you know, semi-religiously like Jerry and golden boy? Nothing that I wear, but there is, I do have those items. Uh, I do not fit in them anymore. So unlike Jerry, I, I'm no, like Jerry. This is a guy who's like, well, remember, he's like a notching down his uh, waist, right? Jeez, was that episode on the jeans no, dude, he, he changed he, it to he, a 30, right? Changed it to a 30. From a 32? <laughs> Instead of a 32. Yeah. And the only real problem I have maybe with the whole episode is, you know, Elaine is generally not the, you know, the brightest, but she's not maybe quite as dumb as she is in Veep. But do you think she was dumb enough to believe this Tolstoy gag here? I mean, Jerry's a goddamn comedian, right? The war, what is it good for? That feels a little thin that she actually falls for that. And falls for it hard enough to tell Testikoff. She does. Uh, to be fair, though, Jerry sells it pretty good here because she... He had know, a backstory for his lie. He did have a backstory yeah, for his lie. He had a backstory. Like, she, you know, she interrogated a little bit. I mean, she, you know, she asked a question here and she got she got enough. He sold it just enough to where, you know, she bought it. Um, but it's, it's you know, you got to remember, too, this was pre-internet. You can't just Google something. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah, there were a couple of good little bits here, especially when Elaine's so excited about the Testikoff thing and Jerry's like, you want to borrow Golden Boy? <laughs> that just made me crack up that that was his, like, oh yeah, it's like this Tolstoy level guy, you want to wear my lucky t-shirt? That was fun. Uh, overall, any feelings on the opening stand-up bits for Seinfeld? I feel like kind of lost them towards the later seasons in favor of having more time for the plots which I was kind of in favor of. I mean, here you get kind of the thing with rooting for animals. I mean, I don't know that it really applies. I probably could have lived without it. Could have, but I do think that I, you know, overall, not just this episode, but overall, I really like this element. It was kind of, it was kind of a neat way to do it. And you look at other shows have kind of tried to incorporate this, um, this element of it. I really enjoy the fact that he does these stand-ups and sometimes the jokes in there, there's something about it that bleeds over into the episode. I think that's really cool. So overall, I'm glad the show did it. I like it. I'm a fan of it. But yeah, this one might not have been the best. There are some ones where his opening stand-up bit is great though, you know, and it, and it works. Yeah, there are a couple that probably make it worthwhile. I think that's probably a, a good way to go about it. A couple of nice George moments. Just the idea that, yeah. you know, because he's living with his parents at this point in the show, his mom just opens his mail. Not just looks at the postcards, like legit opens his mail. I just thought that was funny. And then I kind of wondered why George came in doing an impression of Jack Nicholson, like definitely doing like a few good men thing. They can't handle the truth. A, that comes back great with the alumni magazine bit. But B, apparently this screwed Jason Alexander over a little bit. If Seinfeld hadn't gotten picked up, he would have played the role that Kevin Pollack wound up playing uh, Lieutenant Sam Weinberg in A Few Good Men. Wow. He couldn't play it because of Seinfeld, so that's probably more or less why they, they gave him that line is a little bit of a shout-out to that. Wow. Elaine heads back to work, and on her way out, she bumps into Kramer, who's carrying his golf clubs. He gives her something he thinks that she can use, an electronic organizer. 
back at Jerry's, George tells Jerry about watching a TV program about whales. He was especially impressed by the marine biologists. Kramer bursts in and asks them if they want to go hit some golf balls into the ocean. They decline to head out for lunch, leaving Kramer to go hit balls by himself. Well, Magnum Mills, have you ever hit golf balls on a beach into the ocean? I have hit golf balls into a lake. Was it fun? Not really. I mean, it was tough to gauge your distance. It was actually a golf course set like by a lake. I found them back on the cliffside, and they tried to put like floating markers out there for like buoys for the yardage markers, but it, it never really worked. But let's be honest here, dude. When Kramer says he got 600 titles from a driving range, I, I think there are two options. He either stole 50 dozen golf balls, that's like getting 25 buckets and just dumping them in your trunk, or he bought their old range balls. What do you think it was? I think he stole them. I, I just, I, I got to believe it. Kind of do, too. And, dude, how about an electronic organizer? Isn't that kind of just, like, quaint now? I think that just, it just held your appointments and phone numbers. It's like two apps on your phone. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and that's the cool part about this show is you go back and it's like, at one point that was cutting edge technology, you know? And so I think that's why it would be fun for people to watch it now it might be more interesting for us because we remember when that shit was out. And now, like you said, it's, it's, I mean, there's no need. You would never have one now. Um, Where did Kramer get it? He had all that stuff in his pockets and he just manages to like come up with a random electronic organizer that he came up with. I was so sure that that was eventually going to tie back into like why the alert kept going off. And somehow it was going to be this weird thing that told us, you know, who Kramer got it from or something like that. Never came back around. Uh, I don't necessarily hate it. But I can tell you what I've loved. Dude, when Kramer comes in, he's like, Hey, hey, hey. who wants to have some fun? <laughs> I do, I do. Now, are you just saying you want to have fun, or do you really want to have fun? I really want to have fun. I'm just saying I want to have some fun. I can relate to that, right? Like, a lot of times you're kind of in it, and someone's like, are you really in it? Like, no, not really. I was just kind of <laughs> saying what I thought you wanted to hear. Yeah. I'm wrong. No, I mean, that's that's uh, uh, definitely relatable. I just, I don't know, man. Every time Kramer comes in, just his energy is just off the charts. Oh, the whole thing with him hitting the balls, like just, you know, doing it and making the sounds and everything. It, you know, I, I feel with bad. With the motion. Michael, with the motion. Yeah, I feel bad Michael Richards had to go all crazy because he was a great physical comedian. Like, just yeah. really just conveyed that in a way. And there was a reason, you know, kind of everyone loved him on Seinfeld. And I just love that Jerry calls ATM a cash machine. Yeah, I'm gonna hit the. Cash. I'm gonna go hit the cash machine. And George is like, I'm gonna get a paper, you know, so we can read it at lunch instead of you know now you read look on your phone, right? Yep. Yeah, that was life back then. You would go and throw a quarter in the thing and buy a paper. That was how you learned like the news and shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully you did the clerk style where you put in like one quarter and stole all their papers or whatever, because that sucked as someone who worked in the the paper industry before. And I just have to ask you, dude. How about Kramer's gear? Talk we talk about like Gene Cousineau or whatever on the Barry podcast. Cosmo Kramer. Just how great is his gear, especially here? And do you have a good name for it? I've been trying to come up with one. I've been struggling. I'm putting you on the spot. Kramer's cut, but but I know that kind of sounds like a haircut, but you know, it's like his cut, his digs. Um, that's one. Cosmo's clothes uh is another. You know, it's a mouthful, but you got Cosmo's clothes. That's kind of those two that jump off there. Yeah, we're gonna have to we're talk to get the attorneys out. Well, you're, yeah, I mean, you're the fake attorney. You're really this is really disgusting. Yeah. Well, we'll get the legal beagles, and you know, we'll we'll, yeah, we'll figure that out. Yeah, but the, the you know, I got the for squeaks that. and the squeals over here, dude. Yeah, but that's billable hours. I'm not gonna, you know, we're not gonna do that now. Yeah, and you add we don't want to make you pay to. Yeah, when you add up all those itches. At the cash machine, Jerry runs into Diane, an acquaintance from college. After she disparages George, Jerry lies and says that. George became a marine biologist, which intrigues Diane. At Monk's, Jerry tells George what happened and lets him know that Diane will be calling him. Just before we do anything else, if you were at an ATM and someone started doing that, you'd weird out, right? If they were like randomly yes. like playing an ATM game with you or something. I mean, that just feels... Jerry gets away with some stuff in this show. Let's just put it that way. That is not something you could do, and they should never have two ATMs next to each other without a panel or something like that. No, no, because I mean, how dangerous is that? Like, I don't like 
I don't like when I'm just out in the open in an ATM and people are like, you know, behind me. No, you almost never see them together unless it's someplace that's well, like a Wawa will occasionally have two together, but it's very full view of everything inside a building, not out on the, you would never see it a a bank have two ATMs together like that. It's definitely a little bit, uh, it's just weird. That whole thing. And let's be honest, man, this is the it girl. That's pretty cool. Right. So let me put it to you this way. How would you feel if you were George? This is the it girl. Jerry got her to call you, but you have to pretend to be a marine biologist. Not terrible. Considering is, that a, is that a fair trade? I mean, otherwise she probably wouldn't so. have called. So that's the deal. Like, dude, if you wanted to have a chance, this is the only chance you have. And you got to kind of, you got to think too, at this point in the show, George is still living with his parents. He's not working for the Yankees yet. George is in a tough spot here, man. I think he's unemployed. So yeah, this is, I, I think that's a fair trade-off. I'd be like, job well done, friend. Like, good job. Like that's the ultimate wingman hero status, you know? Yeah, and we don't do five-star men for Seinfeld, or, but maybe we should because uh, Jason Alexander really kills it, especially all the scenes and monks in this episode. But here, just this exchange, and this is, Jerry Seinfeld definitely got better as an actor as the series went along, but the way he has to kind of like, you know, be like, so, and uh, yeah, I told her this thing. That whole scene just plays out really well. I just thought the exchange between them was just, it, it felt realistic and funny as hell. It, it just really worked overall for me. And what do you think, man? Would it be easier to fake being a marine biologist now or back in 1994? You know, both have their advantages, but now because you could probably really quickly Google something and get enough talking points to be, especially somebody like George, like the internet for George would be a crazy thing. Like he would, he could like capitalize on that. I mean, George would like really max out his potential with the internet. Um, But I think it would probably be easier now, but back because back then you just kind of kind of wing it. You don't really know. Um, but you know, George is built for this stuff, dude. He really is. Going to your special agent Johnson, which of the main Seinfeld characters would have had the best MySpace page? Don't think about an answer. Now, Kramer. Uh, I was gonna say Newman, but that wouldn't count. So I'm going to go Elaine because she would have played all sorts of weird music or something. Remember, you could have like music play when you went to the MySpace oh, page dude. or something. But you know, you know, Kramer liked that like African rhythmic, like yeah. But Kramer would only do like, it one time and then would forget about it and never check it. So it would be the same thing over and over and over and over and over. That's true. There wouldn't be any updates. Wouldn't be a good uh, Kramer would not update shit. That's that's we know how Kramer works. Next, we see George talking on the phone with Diane, pretending to be a marine biologist. He's going to the Galapagos and shit. Then we see Elaine in a limo with Mister Lippman and Testikoff. Unfortunately, Elaine embarrassed herself by repeating what Jerry told her about Tolstoy in War and Peace. Lippman tries to play it off as a joke, but just then the electronic organizer that Kramer gave Elaine starts beeping and she can't turn it off. Testikoff snatches it from her and throws it out the window of the moving limousine. Then we briefly cut to Kramer hitting golf balls into the ocean, and let's just say he doesn't exactly crush the swing that we see. And again, great no. physical comedy by Michael Richards. Like that, the the whiff and the way he's looking and then looks down and just the, I mean, that's Kramer. He's one of the best yes. action characters. You know, not only does he do stuff, but the way he reacts is one of the best of any character, I think, in the history of sitcom television. 100%. And so his involvement, his involvement with whatever environment he's in. Here we've got the sand. So you better believe there's going to be tons of sand flying all over the place. It's going to get in his eye, mouth. Like you, you just, you, you give, you put Kramer on a beach. It's like, oh, we can do so much here. You know, you put him in a pool. You can get a bunch. You like, you, you know what I mean? Like he's so good at involving whatever environment he's in into his, into his bit that it just, it works really good. And yes, that, that happens here to a T. Did you sympathize with Testikov here? Because back then, they really didn't have noises like that, right? And shout out Mr. Lippman. He's telling the light, just press the button in the top. He seems to know what to do, and Elaine never bothers to do it. Testikov shouldn't have thrown it out, but did you sympathize a little bit with him? I mean, that's got it. It's just annoying. It's very annoying, and I also wonder if they – I don't know if they were trying to play into, like, like war stuff, like, you know, with with Testikov coming from, you know – no, nah, he just hated that like, sound. He said it's a dude. That sound was traveling up his spine into my brain. That's what my alarm does every time it goes off. I swear. Yeah, and I pity, and I and I empathize with anyone who has testa 
in as part of their name. I mean, that's just <laughs> testic, testicoff. Yeah, I mean, it's testic. Uh... I mean, he has testic. I mean, is the, the you're saying testic ever? It's just tough. Uh, dude, last thing. Obviously, plankton. Is that a band name? Is that an album title? Is that a song? What is that? Obviously, plankton. It's got to be a band. Like that's got to be. I'd say it's a it's record by a ska band, like by like a San Francisco nineteen ninety late ninety ska band. They would have obviously plankton would be an album they would put out. That would be an album. Yeah, I, I, I you know what I agree. I can see that one hundred percent. Either that or some very like you know uh, ocean themed rappers or something. But I'm going with the Scotch, right? Oh shit! What are they like from Hawaii? Like Hawaiian rappers? <laughs> yeah, some Caribbean. There's some ocean rappers, dude. They're all about water, like they're water benders and shit. Back at Jerry's, George is upset with Jerry for lying to Diane. And if he was gonna lie, why couldn't he have made George an architect? He's gonna see her tomorrow, and he's thinking about telling her the truth. Then Kramer bursts in again and throws his golf clubs on the floor. Apparently, he only hit one really good shot the entire time. He then tries to get the sand out of his clothes when the phone rings. Some lady tells Jerry that she got hit on the head with an electronic organizer and that it had his number in it. Not a lot here, but I just want to point out that this might be the most George Costanza line ever. Why couldn't you make me an architect? <laughs> you know I always wanted to pretend that I was an architect. Is that not yes. the most George Costanza oh. line there could ever be? You know I have always wanted to pretend I was an architect. That is just amazing to me. It's amazing. It's totally George. And the thing I love about this is, again, his his reaction. You, like, he he's not physical comedy the way Kramer is, but he puts on a thing with how he, like, you can feel his emotions. He's, he's legitimately frustrated about this. And I love that, you know, to be a marine biology, biologist, don't get me wrong, to be an architect is a great thing too, but to be a marine biologist is a big deal. Like it could be worse. It's not like you're, you know, he could have made you anything, man. Like, I mean, it's just so George that he's that he's frustrated that he's, he's not an architect. That's like, so you George. should know that I wanted to lie about this my whole life. Yes, he didn't that's actually want to do The idea work. that you know he, he I've always wanted, to lie, wanted to lie about this. That's exactly what I was driving at. A way to kind of just sum it up excellently. I I like the word Galapagos. That's always a fun one to say. And I thought about trying to do a t-shirt out of that, but you don't be a fun t-shirt. Kramer standing up, he's got the golf clubs on the ground, and you just like, I have no concentration. Because as someone who plays golf, I can totally relate to that. That's why my middle six are my best. The first six holes, I'm, I'm trying to focus. Then I'm focused for six holes, and then I lose focus. It has nothing to do with alcohol consumption. Thank you for clarifying. And talk about physical comedy. The bit where Kramer's doing the sand. And as he's doing that and falls to the ground, the phone rings. And I wonder how many times they shot this. That George just picks it up and throws it. You wouldn't know. And it's on a, it's got a cord, too. This is not a cordless. And Jerry just snags it out of the air. It's just cool. They do it as Kramer's falling in the background. I don't know how many takes that took. But it was just perfect. It's so subtle. It takes, like, two seconds. And my guess yep. is they spent, like, at least an hour getting that two seconds right. And oh, yeah. it makes the show so good. Those little things that, you know, I never really kind of critically watched Seinfeld before. I just kind of like, hey, it's great and everything. And really trying to slow it down now and watch, you know, an episode this many times in a row or just pay attention. It's amazing how much little stuff there it really makes you appreciate just how well made the show was all the way around. Yeah, completely agree. After the break, we're at Monks, where Jerry is meeting with Karen, the woman who got hit on the head with the organizer. When Jerry hears that it came out of a limo, Jerry realizes that it must be Elaine's. Then, we see Elaine swing by Kramer's place to tell him about losing the organizer. She threw out her old address book, so she's screwed if she can't get it back. Kramer can't help, and he's going nuts trying to get rid of the sand. Jerry comes home, and Elaine yells at him for the uh, war what is it good for joke. She's amazed when Jerry correctly guesses that Testikoff threw the organizer out of the limo. She wants it back, and Jerry says that Corinne won't give it back until she gets the money to pay her hospital bills. They decide to try to get the money from Testikoff. I mean, he did just get a cool million from Pendant Publishing. Be honest here. Cards on the table. You don't throw your old address book right away. Like, you hold on. It's like an old phone, right? Unless you trade it in. Yeah. You, don't, you don't, like, take your old phone and be like, all right, let's format everything now the day you get a new phone. No. You want to have a backup no, that... just in case something goes wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. It, it, I've got you've got an old drawer that you stick like that goes in there, man. You don't just you're not just tossing it. 
any thoughts got on Carol Kane, who's playing Corinne here? It, you know, to me, she's kind of the quintessential New Yorker. She's been in a bunch of shit, but she was again a, a quintessential New Yorker in uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt from Netflix. Yeah, she was very New Yorker. Feels like almost the same character. Yeah, it does a little bit. You can tell that's just she's she's just really good at that character. Doesn't make it bad. It's just that's kind of like she plays it every time. But yeah, hey, sometimes you just gotta play the hits. But I like it though because again, they, they you know sometimes the show had struggled balancing. Do we go all the way in with this kind of like New York? particularly right, how hyper focused they want to be like how broad yeah. you want to keep it that kind of thing no, but right. carol kane is great she's been in a bunch of stuff and uh, done some voice acting that kind of thing and one of my favorite just the lane character traits is that when she's genuinely excited she just shoves people like she yeah. does that to jerry when he guesses by that she yeah. you know, that oh you threw the the organizer out she's that's isn't that just great? I don't know why. I don't know how that started. I couldn't remember the first episode it happened in, but it's just something that's just fun and it feels just very natural and real. Yeah, and it's and it gets a laugh every time. You know, to get out where she's like, she up really shoves story. too. It's oh, not yeah. a love tap. Like she goes in. Yeah. Yes, love all that. Yeah, it, but come on, you love that more than Elaine's dancing? Jeez. Yes, I do. I love that more than the ladies dancing. She should just do push style dancing. Just push it real good, salt and pepper style. None of that the little thumbs, kick dude. No, you gotta lose little kicks on the thumbs. You do not want thumbs in your dancing. That works for I don't even it doesn't work for anybody unless you're on drugs. Works for drugs. Elaine and Jerry meet Karen in the lobby of the hotel where Testikov is staying. They head upstairs to try to get the money, and Karen stays behind. The organizer starts beeping, and Karen is forced to go outside. Up in the room, Elaine begins to tell Testikov about the situation with the organizer when her tape recorder starts to make noise. Enraged, Testikov rifles through her purse and finds it, and then he launches it out the window. Of course, it hits Karen in the head again. Let's be honest here, man. From that height, that could kill somebody, right? Yeah, dude, even if it's... Bro. Even if it's only five feet up, I mean, uh, five stories up, that's a big. It looked more like 10, 15. It looked like 15, that was coming yeah. down. Especially yeah, for someone who just had another head injury. Yep. Yep. So that was a little brush. I feel like Testikov, like with a million bucks, this is where, you know, the lawyer should have gotten involved and been like, yeah, you need to pay her hospital bills. Especially if that was it. It didn't even look like she was looking for a payday. She was just like, yeah, I would like hospital bill money, please. Because getting an MRI sucks and I feel that for her. So. Yeah. Very expensive. And just a stupid Seinfeld joke when the, like the single woman in the city, and that's why he wears sneakers. Yeah, this is my friend Jerry. Um, he accompanied me. You know, <clears throat> single women in a big city can be dangerous. So yeah, that, that's why I wear these sneakers in case of any trouble. Zip, I'm gone. He just. That's why he's got his sneakers, man. And uh, the, the classic Carol Kane line about you know. I'm waiting for two people. Well, you can wait for them outside. Yeah, I guess I'd better. I wouldn't want to take any attention away from the hookers. Part of me wondered, like, did they just have her in this episode just for that line? Because it works so well. You want to know what's funny? Watching it 30 years later, you expect her to get kicked out for smoking in the lobby, right? Yeah. With, uh, just oh, yeah. instinctively, no. After having not seen this episode in a little while, when he comes up, I'm sure the first thing he's going to say, oh, man, you have to put your cigarette on. Because even back then, I don't think he'd like that. I don't know if you could. Could you smoke in a New York hotel lobby? That feels a little, I don't know exactly, 94, right on the line probably, roughly. But And then the fact that it's just that, and then she you know, gets the ball with the hooker line. It's just fantastic. At the same time as this meeting with Testikoff is happening, Kramer is trying to get the sand out of his shoe. He accidentally drops it out the window and hits Newman in the head. Why not? We're hitting people in the head. Also, happening simultaneously, George and Diane are going for a walk on the beach and they run into a crowd of people. Apparently, there's a beached whale and someone cries out for a marine biologist. At Diane's urging, George walks out into the water to save the whale. And before we go any further, this is something I, I really didn't know until I think I remember it from the DVD commentary, maybe. And then, you know, we were doing this episode, did a little bit of research, and there was going to be more. We were going to see the whale, dude. Like, originally, they yeah. went out to the flipper people. They were going to get, like, they wanted the fake whale, like the animatronic. 
but there was a miscommunication. The flipper people thought they wanted a real well, so they were like, oh, hold on, you, you can't have a real well for, for what you're doing here. So then they did a CGI whale. They shot it, apparently. At least Larry David said it looked all right. They never used it. Do you like that? Wow. You never see the whale. I think it's a win. Like, even though they spent the money, I think creatively, the, I, it's better hearing George tell it, right? Yes. I like how they, the way they decided to do this with George tell the story and you just see pieces of it from George's vantage point, And then it goes back to kind of hit real time where he's telling the story and it goes back. I think that works so much. Where you could have maybe shown like the it. side of the whale or something, just a yeah. little shot against like a gray. But I think it would have looked too cheesy having him trying to like climb the whale, getting pushed by a wave or something. I think that probably. Uh, yeah, I don't even now. I don't know how good that would look done. You know, and I, I you couldn't do a practice. And again, it goes back to how well he told it. That's way better. There is nothing that showing the whale could do that could make it better than George passionately delivering that story. You, that was that's what it was you needed that so i i think i think it, i i'm with you i think it was a good call yeah i think the right call overall and dude just love that newman shows up for one scene is just to get a shoe dropped on his head and again yeah. we know that they're up there they're what eighth floor or whatever yeah like that would hurt dude a boot on your head from yes feet? like that's that's not nothing dude uh he wouldn't be doing his route for a while yeah whether it's raining or not he would be taking the day off and just one of the things you notice now, because Curb Your Enthusiasm has been on forever, but it's it's Larry David who's like, you know, has anyone seen a marine biologist? That's 100% Larry David. Not even doing yep. any voice. He's just doing Larry David. Yep. Which which was neat, because at that point, he wasn't a, a well-known person. Right. No one knew that was his voice. Even when he did uh, Steinbrenner, right. kind of, no one really knew. But at least he did a right. little of a, oh, George, you got to do a little, you know, faster version of, you know, he doesn't really like a, he did he speed it up a little bit for what it's worth. Right. And now it's time for one of the most famous final scenes in the history of Seinfeld. We transition over to Monks, where George is telling the entire story to the gang. He makes it up onto the whale, a little bit of water helping him there, a wave, and he gets up there, and then he removes an obstruction from the blowhole. It's a golf ball. He holds it up. Kramer asks if it's a Titleist. Yep, it's a Titleist. Apparently, when George got back to shore, Diane was incredibly happy. They were doing a Rocky One thing. It was great. And at that moment, because he's George Costanza, he decided to confess to her that he was not, in fact, a marine biologist. She told him to go to hell, and he took the bus home. Jamie G, this is regarded as one of the best scenes in the history of the show. Do you agree? Yes. It's George in all his glory, and it's absolutely incredible. Yes, it, it, it is. It's so funny. It's. I agree. And would you believe that this was basically added at the 11th hour? This wasn't in the original script. This is something that uh, Jerry and Larry David wrote very late in the game. Wow. No. Considering that it ends up being one of the best things that, yeah, no, I, that's that's interesting. I'm glad they did. Like the 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 urban legend was that they did it in one take, and uh, Jason Alexander nailed it. And that uh, it seems pretty clear that they don't cut away much. I think it's at most two takes, but it does look like a lane breaks at one point, and that's why it moves. And they kind of knew like uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus is kind of the famous as the one who would break during the scenes, and she's the one that kind yeah. of cut away on. But he kills it. I mean, like the easy big fella. Yeah, I yeah. mean just the. <laughs> The sea was angry that day, my friend. It's so, yeah. every little part of it is just so good and so George, right? I mean, we, we talked about George and Jerry Seinfeld actually said like, this is maybe his funniest moment of the series, especially because the laughs build throughout and the biggest laugh is at the final punchline. A lot of times in the joke, like you hit the, you know, it's like you hit the joke 75% of the way through the biggest one. And then it's like a denouement out. Like here, the final one, when he pulls that golf ball out, in just the reaction they get. And apparently the audience response there was the second longest, like standing O in the history of the show. What do you think the longest was? Wow. Uh in the contest where Kramer, like when they see the, the woman across the way, Kramer disappears from it and just comes back, slides out his money. I'm out. Oh yeah. That yeah. was the longest sustained 
uh, wow. you know, standing O by the live audience. This was second now. George pulling out the golf ball. And that's why they actually cut, I think, during it. The uh, episode with Kramer where he's chugging the beer and smoking the cigarette, trying to get trying to see if the guy's doing drugs because that's sniffling. a good one. They have that a sniffing one, like, accountant. Yeah, that's a... yeah, the sniffing accountant. No, money manager. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is just shows what Seinfeld's so good at, right? Bringing all these plot lines together at the end. Uh, you know, maybe a little bit of hanging chad with the organizer or whatever, but I don't mind. And, uh, you know, Jamie G, if I had to ask you, who is your favorite living marine biologist? Uh, you, you, George Costanza. Um, I, I, I would also go with George Costanza, so you are correct. We've talked about this being a classic episode of Seinfeld, and it appears on many of their top 10 lists. Over on IMDb, the marine biologist is rated 9.2 out of 10, making the fifth highest rated episode of Seinfeld. That's that's rare air, brother. Is this a top five episode for you? I think it is, dude. It's at least, I think, maybe top seven at the worst. So, yeah, I think top five is, you know, pretty fair, especially when you look above it. Everybody gets something great in this episode to do. It's funny. It's interesting. There's a great twist. I, I think it hits basically everything you need to hit for me. All the flavor clusters, it's firing. The algorithm loves it. My algorithm. The algorithm hits. And dude, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I think it is a top five episode. It I mean, that scene at the end is infamous. It will always be, you know, associated with Seinfeld and everything that's great about it. All the characters shine and to your point. Um, and George just George is just incredible. So shout out Jason Alexander. He's that that's just one of the greatest characters ever created uh and acted out. So yes, top five. Now, when we cover TV episodes, we like to come up with alternative titles for the episode. The Marine Biologist is literally a classic episode title, but does anybody dare suggest anything different here? Any of our viewers, shoot us a note. Magna Mills, do you have anything? The title list. I feel like it would have been interesting enough because you see Kramer golfing early, and then you could have gotten some of that sweet, sweet endorsement cash. How about yourself? Yep. You got one? Are you willing to go with anything other than the marine biologist? You gonna go Galapagos on us or ah uh, uh, man? I mean, I wanted to do something with the ocean. I mean, the 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 sea was angry, um, or the angry sea, I think could could potentially work. It would be an interesting one. Um, uh, but the title list is that's a really good one. It really is. The only other one I think you might be able to go with is either like probably the organizer or maybe the electronic organizer. Yeah. That's probably about it. And that's the only thing that I think. Really Come on, happened. man. No blowhole obstruction. You don't like the blowhole obstruction? That's a, that's a good one. That's probably porn that Kramer owns, if I had to guess. <laughs> well, that brings us to Six Degrees of Lebowski. This is where we connect our featured review to the Big Lebowski in Six Degrees or Less. Mills, how deep do you have to dig for this one? Uh, JBG, I, I looked out at the dirt and I blew on it because Michael Richards played Doug Beach in Airheads where Steve Buscemi played Rex. Steve Buscemi is Donnie in The Big Lebowski. Wow. Not very deep at all. Okay. That was easier than I thought. Now, let's go around the horn and each give our funniest moment of the Marine Biologist. Mills, you're up first here, man. What was your hardest laugh? Um, I, I think we're going to just say that the the end bit is its own thing. It's iconic in its own way. Honestly, I think it probably just is Elaine going for it in trying to tell Testikoff that you know it is war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. And she bite and like you see Lipman like no 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 no, and she just goes for it. One wonders if War and Peace would have been as highly acclaimed as it was had it been published under its original title, War, What Is It Good For? What? Yeah, Mr. Lippman. It was his mistress who insisted that he call it Elaine. War and Peace. Elaine. War, What Is It Good For? Absolutely nothing. Boom! I'm usually not into like that cringy kind of comedy, but I think that one just works really well for me and it cracks me up every time. How about yourself, man? Funniest moment from the episode, non-George monologue moment. I love that. Uh, that's that's a really good one. I'm going when when George gets upset 
about the fact that Jerry made him a marine biologist and he wanted to always be on to always lie about being a an architect his life dream I thought that was just hilarious I, I really enjoyed that moment too just his reaction it's one thing if I make it up I know what I'm doing I know my alleys <laughs> you've got me in the Galapagos Islands living with the turtles I don't know where the hell I am well, you came in the other day with all that whale stuff, the squeaking and the squealing and... Look, why couldn't you make me an architect? You know I always wanted to pretend that I was an architect. George wants to lie about what George wants to lie about, dude. George is getting angry if you don't let him, dude. George is getting angry. So here's the deal. We give out our favorite quotes from the episode, but with a caveat. We all agree that George's monologue was clearly the best, so that is... That's the winner. There's just no way around it. So basically what we're going to do here is give out our second favorite quotes. Mills, send us on our way. Um, I'm going to do the rusted root thing and go with some Carol Kane as Karen when she's like, I'm waiting for two people. Well, you can wait for them outside. Yeah, I guess I'd better. I wouldn't want to take any attention away from the hookers. Oh, man. We've talked. I, I hate to keep reusing stuff, but I, I got to it's it's tough because there's only a couple you know it's like when you take you like out that what you like you love what you love i gotta go with jerry where he's where he's just he's he's given her he's given elaine his best reason why it's war what is it good for and he's just he's delivering it with no i'm not kidding elaine it's true his mistress didn't like the title and insisted that he change it to war and peace but it's a line from that song that's where they got it from <laughs> really i'm not joking <laughs> You can buy it a little bit. He's selling hard here, and I liked it. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you think you're sponge-worthy? Yes, I think I'm sponge-worthy. I think I'm very sponge-worthy. You know you're nuts with these sponges. Run down your case for me again. She said I wasn't sponge-worthy. Wouldn't waste a sponge on me. We stole sponge-worthiness from Seinfeld, uh, so I think it's only fitting that we try to spare some sponges for the marine biologist. Mills? You're you're flush on sponge. What do you what do you got here? Yeah, that sponge it up, dude. Heavy sponge it up. Make that two sponges. This is absolutely sponge worthy. Again, we're talking top five of of Seinfeld. What else are you spending a sponge on? I mean, come on. Yeah. So with the sponges settled, it's time to give a grade to the marine biologist. On a scale of one to ten, Titleists, how many balls you give in this episode, Mills? I think nine and a half sounds about right, dude. I think a full 9.5 of the titliest right there. I'm feeling it. This is definitely top tier Seinfeld for me. I mean, it could be in the conversation for maybe the best episode overall, depending on, you know, what mood I'm in kind of. How about yourself? Yeah, I, I had I had 9.5 written down, but I got a one up. Yeah, I'm going 9.7 uh, titleist. This one's fantastic. It's, it's as good as it gets in Seinfeld world and... That's awesome. The amazing thing is they've, they've got several of them that are this good. <laughs> We're trying to get to a movie. You better get going. You don't want to miss one second of that movie. Is it that good? <laughs> it's the best goddamn movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Dude hangs dumb. I, I told you that. I told you I that. Don't miss that. Well, finally, we've come to the part where it's time to figure out what we're going to discuss next time on our next episode of Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Now, usually... We do a, some sort of pitch session. We spin the wheel in the sky, but we're missing our main dude, Soup Deucer. Some power outages, some issues could not be with us tonight. So we're going to honor the Soup Deuce and we're just going to do a soup joint. We're just going to do one that Soup has been wanting to do. I think he's pitched this one, Magnum Mills, I think three times. And that's Snatch. Snatch is a great movie with a great cast, action, hilarious little bit of a of a fun story the way it's uh directed a guy richie joint if you will from a directing standpoint i'm pretty pumped about it i like it a lot you end with it man let's just do let's just do snatch for soup do oh, yeah. snatch, snatch, snatch for snoop dude that's a snatch, snatch for, for soup. soup that's a good t-shirt right there i like that and honestly we did a, a one of my favorite brad pitt performances in 12 monkeys another yep. one of my favorite brad pitt performances snatch it's a yeah. fun movie. It really moves. It's got a very interesting, diverse cast of characters. There's a lot going on. There's some fun, like you know, surface level jokes. Young Jason Statham, um, our our boy from uh, Boardwalk Empire and uh, Peaky Blinders, just looking young AF. 
F is a Turkish yeah. boy here, dude. Just excellent stuff there, really. I, I, who can you know, dude? There's a lot to this one, right? I mean, we we can't. Force forget. a blade, bullet to force a blade. Dogs eating diamonds. People just want to have a little uh, Winnebago or whatever it is they call it exactly. Gypsies, bro. I'm excited for it. Can't wait for this one. Shout out Soup Deuce. We missed you tonight. But you guys are in for a treat. We're giving one of the old soup. We're doing Soup's Snatch right here next time on Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Snatch for Soup. Snatch for Soup. Snatch for Soup. All right. I, I think that's basically it. This has been Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Thank you very much for checking us out. Hopefully we are regular, but, you know, a fun regular, the kind of regular you want to check out again, like a bar you go to regularly or, you know, whatever. The people you want to just, you know, pay regularly, like your electric bill, something like that. It all works out in the end. You can find us wherever you get your pods and on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff. We're also on the YouTube. We're going to be talking about football this upcoming season on the Joe Blow Football Show. And while we forget some things, we never forget the flaps. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps other people find our show, find our channel. If you had fun, give us that thumb. I think that's basically it. Jamie G, did I forget anything? Uh, just that, you know, we appreciate you guys checking us out. It always makes it fun. Drop a comment. We love to communicate with you. Hit us up. And thank you again for watching Regular Dudes Watch Stuff. And shit, we'll see you next week when we cover Snatch.